0: Magnus punches reality presented by two true freaks I'm your host Magnus and I talk about comics movies and TV shows but periodically I put all of that stuff on pause so that I can I guess basically you could say I'm continuing. because this has been a segment that's been kind of an ongoing although irregular feature of *Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, but periodically I do an irregular feature of Trenus Magnus Punches Reality called Radio Free Isengard and the purpose of uh, of this irregular feature is to talk about this thing or that thing or the other thing to do with Tolkien. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, Middle Earth, just anything that has anything to do with the literary works of J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, that's basically what Radio Free Isengard is meant to talk about. So that's that stuff. And as it turns out, there's there are quite a few things on the docket here that have kind of piled up since the last time I did one of these Radio Free Isengard episodes. And so being as I've got a little bit of free time right now and being as I don't anticipate having a whole lot of free time in the future, certainly starting in the fall of 2020, it seems like now would be a pretty good time for me to uh, clear the decks a little bit, basically talk about some, some Tolkien stuff that's, that, that's been going on. And with all due respect to Mark Kalmbach, because, sir, your moment is gonna come. I promise. But to me, the most pertinent thing to, to start with today is gonna be the unfortunate passing of Christopher Tolkien, that is the son of J.R.R. Tolkien. And this is a bigger deal than some of you may realize because I suppose that opinions on this may, may vary, but I'm, in, I'm inclined to the belief that Tolkien fans, whether you're kind of casual or if you're a more serious Tolkien fan or or just whatever, Tolkien fans of all stripes owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to Christopher Tolkien. He has kept the flame of his father's literary legacy alive. He's been probably the foremost cheerleader for the the written works of J.R.R. Tolkien of anybody, I dare say anybody, and I also dare say that during his lifetime, nobody, nobody, but nobody, was a bigger Tolkien fan than Christopher Tolkien, so so there's that to think about, the fact that he is without question a, a, a Tolkien fan, virtually, I would say, without peer. You know, there are just not very many people who can hang with him in terms of his affections for the literary works of J.R.R. Tolkien. So, so, there's that. But another thing to think about is the fact that during his lifetime, Professor Tolkien didn't really get around to publishing very many works concerning uh, Middle-earth. I mean, pretty much you've got The Hobbit, and you've got the Lord of the Rings. And pretty much that's it. However, there are shit tons of books out there now that bear J.R.R. Tolkien's name that are dedicated in some way or another to the subject matter of the Legendarium, of Middle Earth, of the Ring, of everything, you know? And the reason for that, again, goes back to Christopher Tolkien. He basically spent the... Latter decades of his life, trying to get his father's un- uh, unpublished works into some kind of shape, so that they'd be fit for publication. So things like *The Silmarillion*, *The Fall of Gondolin*, Baron and Luthien*, um, so on and so forth. You know, there are at this point there's a virtual litany um, of of middle earth oriented works written by j.r.r tolkien but were never finished during his life never published during his life and we only have them now because of christopher tolkien so again hats off for that because that those additional works you know the, uh, the book of lost tales unfinished tales the silmarillion so on and so forth those 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 works may not be perfect okay they may not be finished they may not be what tolkien would have wanted them to be had he lived long enough to 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 see those to see those works published and everything but you know what it's better than nothing and so that was pretty much what we were looking at either unfinished works or nothing at all there is no middle ground so so just for that you know, we we owe him quite a bit. And I'm gonna be circling back to this next thing in a little bit more depth in just a moment, but there's also the really the lack of non-Hobbit, non-Lord of the Rings adaptations of Tolkien's work. And again, credit for that must be given to Christopher. His you know, I I, I hesitate to crawl inside somebody else's mind and try to speak their opinions for them. But the sense that I get from Christopher Tolkien's public statements, just the, the remarks that he's gone on the record as having made, I get the idea that what he wants is for people to read his father's works. He doesn't want people to hear them. He doesn't want people to watch them. He wants people to read them. And the, this may not be what he necessarily intended, but the byproduct uh, of that is there's a purity to, to Tolkien's work that I don't think would exist otherwise. I mean, yes, we do have adaptations of The Hobbit. Flawed, though some of them may be, we do have them. And yes, we do have adaptations of The Lord of the Rings. Again, flawed, though some of them may be, we still have them. And the reason we have them is because J.R.R. R. Tolkien during his life sold the rights to those things. He thought it was a bit of a sucker's bet. He thought, as is my understanding, there's no way to make live-action film, uh, live-action films of The Hobbit and of The Lord of the Rings. And so basically for him it's, it was sort of like free money. And at the time that those deals were made, I think he was actually correct. I don't think there was a way that, technologically speaking, I don't think there was a way to to create faithful and engaging adaptations of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Now obviously times change, but at least at the time that those deals were made, that, that is what happened. And so there was nothing that Christopher Tolkien could do about that, but he could sure as shit put the kibosh on things like an adaptation of uh, the Silmarillion, or the stories that comprise the Silmarillion, or uh, uh, the Book of Lost Tales, etc., you know, he 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 definitely could could put uh, put the brakes on adapting those things. And I have it on pretty good authority that Christopher Tolkien, during his lifetime, turned down virtually blank checks that were offered to him by various and sundry uh, film production companies for the rights to those works. Now, the adaptation that might have been made of The Silmarillion, is it guaranteed that 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 adaptation would suck? You know what? Maybe not. Maybe there's not a guarantee of that, but the fact is one does not exist and so that means there are no adap- adaptations of it. And that means that no adaptation of The Silmarillion sucks. So if you want to get into the, I-, I guess, the pitch of The Silmarillion and read those stories and, and uh, just absorb that history, you can do so directly from the pen of Professor Tolkien himself. And for me, I'm... More and more, I'm coming around to this idea that you know what maybe there are certain there are certain novels out there that should not be made into movies, maybe there are certain comic books that should not be made into movies there are certain there's just certain things that exist in the medium in which they originated and moving them over to some other medium maybe that's not for the best. Maybe we should just leave well enough alone, and it's with that perspective on things that I do want to talk about something that has been making the rounds for a while now, for a couple of days at the time that I record this, which is March, it's, there There. There are some rumors, and I get it, guys, there's always a rumor, okay? Believe me, I understand. I've been on the internet for a long, long time, all right? And if there's one thing I know, it's that there's always some bullshit rumor, there's some silly story out there, This one, though, I'm kind of inclined to believe. And basically, it's goings on with the Amazon Lord of the Rings show. It's basically a prequel show that's set in the second age. And there's been a lot of speculation about what this show might be and what it's going to be about, etc. And so I figured, you know what? Now's as good a time to get into that as, as any, I suppose. Now, from the top, let me just say that Again, I am not a huge uh, Tolkien buff. I like watching uh, Lord, the uh, Lord of the Rings movies and, to a degree, the Hobbit movies. I enjoy reading the Lord of the Rings book. I enjoy reading the Hobbit. But the worst thing you could possibly do is mistake me for some kind of an expert or, worse yet, some kind of an authority on Middle-earth and, and, I guess the, for lack of a better way to put it, the canon of Middle- because there's really not a canon, but whatever. To whatever degree a canon canon exists, the canon of Middle-earth, I'm just not the guy that can speak to you authoritatively about that. There are tons of other people who are infinitely more knowledgeable about the Legendarium, the history of Middle-earth, and all that stuff. Infinitely more knowledgeable than I'm probably ever going to live to be. Now, having said all of that, there are, in the modern world, there are certain ideas that Tolkien had in creating the Legendarium, in creating these Middle-Earth stories, that are a little bit, you know, not, let's just say it, they're not especially politically correct, right? Basically, what Tolkien wanted to do was basically create sort of a fictional uh, history or or for that matter, maybe just synthesize out of whole cloth a, a myth for the European peoples in general, and I would say specifically the Anglos in particular, a history for them, real or fictional, but obviously fictional, but basically give it a, a, a verisimilitude such that this could be the history of, of the, the Anglo people. And so as a result... It's really hard, I would imagine, to do an an intellectually honest adaptation of any of Tolkien's work with a lot of diversity, because, again, this is supposed to be the history of a specific race of people, i.e. the Anglos. Uh, and so if you're going to show the history of the 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 British people, well, they are the British people. They're not, insert other ethnicity here, not so much... I mean, yeah, there is a sense in which, yes, this is the history, a fictional history, but still history, nevertheless, of Europe, but really specifically the Anglos. And so you can't have a bunch of Italians, you can't have a bunch of, uh, let me think, um, uh, Nordics or or, or or Germanic peoples or, or just fucking whatever, right? I mean, it's it's a kind of narrow sliver of of the historical peoples of Europe that, that, that we're talking about here. That's, that's really what it's all about. And the fact is, that's not really the type of adaptation of anything. That's not the kind of movie or TV show or whatever m- based on anything that Hollywood wants to fucking make. They always want to add diversity and, you know, whatever. But there's an appropriate time and an, and an appropriate place to do that. And then there's an inappropriate time and an inappropriate place to do that. And the works of J.R.R. Tolkien, the Legendarium, that's not the place to have a bunch of fucking diversity, okay? I mean, I I guess I'm sorry if that upsets anybody, but it's fucking true, all right? This is supposed to be, again, specifically the history of the Anglos. And so if you're telling their history, why are you including other peoples in there as well? It just it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. And so... Um, Honestly, I mean, it's kind of hard to say shit like that without somebody wanting to call you like some kind of a Nazi clan guy or something like that. And I would hope by now I've got nothing to prove to anybody when it comes to that. But there's always that one jackass in the room. So, I mean, I guess I'm sorry. Again, I I guess I'm sorry if that's upsetting to somebody. But the fact of it remains, that is just not what Tolkien was was up to. And the reason I'm kind of being a pain in the ass about this is to say that, there's a very teensy-tiny little bit of diversity that's included in the Lord of the Rings uh, Amazon prequel show cast. This the second the second age TV show cast, and it, honestly, it's kind of hard to instantly dismiss that out of hand without actually having seen this in pro, uh, you know, in context and understanding, you know, what this was supposed to be all about. But knowing Hollywood as we do, I think we can kind of make some, some reasonable assumptions about the casting decisions that were made with this show and the intent behind those casting decisions. So I don't... You know what? Honestly, I've probably gotten myself into a deep enough hole with that as it is. Suffice it to say, I don't necessarily see cause for alarm with the cast at least at this juncture but the the fact is well the fact is there is cause for concern not necessarily cause for alarm but there are reasons to be a bit cautious now the fact is guys we may not actually see this amazon show and the reason for that is because the one ring.net the admins of the one they actually have their own youtube channel and today or ages ago at the time that you guys are probably hearing this episode but today i posted a live stream of the one on youtube i uh, basically posted that up to the trennis magnus punches reality facebook group and that uh, basically in that live stream one of the hosts spills the beans on a few things that he's heard from some of his sources that are connected to the, the Amazon show. Now, guys, before we go any further with this, it's important for you to understand that the OneRing.net, when it, when it comes to Tolkien fandom online, the OneRing.net is like Superman homepage, or it's like what the Force.net used to be, or... It, basically it this is this is the source for this particular type of fandom in the same sense that the Superman homepage is the source for Superman fandom or the force.net at least back in the old days, that was the source for Star Wars fandom. The onering.net was is and was the source for anything that has anything to do with middle Earth. And that has been the case, as far as I know, for like something like 20 years or something like that. It's just been a hell of a long time. And so during that time, the admins of the OneRing.net, they've made friends with various and century people that are associated with the Tolkien Estate, with New Line Cinema, defunct now, but, at, but back when there was such a thing, New Line Cinema with Warner Brothers, with uh, Peter Jackson's production company, Wingnut, perhaps even Peter Jackson himself. I mean, they've got very deep roots in a wide variety of different places. One of the things that I can honestly say is that I have never seen anything that's been posted on the One ring.net. and come to find out that ended up being a complete crock of bullshit. I mean, look, nobody's got a perfect track record, okay? Nobody's got 100%. But I personally have never seen the One Ring to be proven wrong before. So if the OneRing.net staff say that this is how things are, you just need to batten down the hatches and get ready because this is what's coming, it would be wise, I think, to listen to what they have to say. And what they have to say right now is that at least for right now, for the time being, at the time that I record this in March of 2020, the Amazon show looks like it's either on life support, or else it's completely dead, and that's all there is to it. All right. What they're saying is the entire writing staff has been fired. The the uh, release for the show has been delayed, which in Hollywood, that can mean a lot of things. It can mean it's just that the release date's been delayed, or it could mean that this thing has been wholesale canceled. I mean, who's to say? Um, but perhaps most concerning of all is goings on with Tom Shippy. Now, for those of you who don't know, just a little while ago, I called Christopher Tolkien the biggest Tolkien fan in the entire world, at least during his lifetime. But now that he's gone, Tom Shippy may actually be the biggest living Tolkien fan that anybody knows about. and he he had some type of involvement with this show. No one seems to know quite what. Like, is he a producer? Is he a consultant? Is he sort of like a a story editor? I mean, I don't really know the answer to that, but he's got his involvement with this show, whatever it is, it's more than nothing. It's more than nothing. We know that. And so it's important to just kind of take note of him Find out what's going on with Tom Shippey. Where's he coming from? What's he doing? And it's kind of logical in a lot of ways to bring somebody like Shippey into the show. Because, guys, I've... I'm not trying to bring up controversial topics here. At least not for the sake of being controversial. You know, for controversy's own sake. But nevertheless, I've observed and to a very limited degree somewhat participated in and various of these Geeker gates that come along from time to time things like uh, gamergate Comics gate the fandom Menace and things like that I've kept a pretty close eye on those uh, on those things and one of one of the things that I've noticed is that with all of these different uh, Geeker gates that come along there's one crucial... Well, there are many crucial steps that must be taken on the path to the ruination of whatever whatever subject is at hand here. There are many, many steps to be taken, one of which, though, is the professional fan. Now, just about every fandom has the professional fan, all right? I don't necessarily need to name names here for a variety of reasons, but... Back in the old days, (gasps) back in the old days, I was somewhat a part of, you might say, organized Smashing Pumpkins fandom. And to be a part of organized Smashing Pumpkins fandom, there is a certain kind of notorious person in Pumpkins fandom... If I have any core Pumpkin fans who were active in the fandom at that time, odds are you know what I'm talking about. This person's initials are D, A, you probably know who I'm talking about if you're familiar with this. And so there's one person, kind of notorious actually, with, uh, let me think, what's another one? Um, Star Wars. All right, there's one. Uh, Star Wars. You've got uh, quite a few professional fans with Star Wars. There's Pablo Hidalgo, there's Steve Sansweet, so on and so forth. These There are fans, and this is my point, there are people who, for whatever reason, have found, or through whatever methodology, have found ways of monetizing their fandom and basically turning that into their career, right? This is what they do for a living. They are Star Wars fans for a living, or they're Smashing Pumpkins fans, for a living, they're Superman fans, etc., for a living, Batman fans, whoever, and Tom Shippey is, he's at least a professional, I don't want to say he's the professional fan, but he's a professional fan when it comes to Tolkien, and when these Geekergate things, and this is my point, when these Geekergates come along, and all this controversy ensues, and and all of that, it's very important that these movie studios get the professional fans on board with their agenda, all right? It's extremely important that the Steve Sandsuites of the world, that the DAs of the world, that the Pablo Hidalgos of the world, that they be, maybe not even necessarily that they be on board with the agenda, but they're, at the very least, they're not out there counter-signaling it, okay? You don't need their agreement You just need their complicity. You need their silence. And so when it came out that Tom Shippey was going to have some type of involvement with this show, guys, I did not see that as a necessarily positive thing because invariably what happens with these professional fans, look, they know which side their bread gets buttered on. And they know that if they go out there and talk shit about the new Star Wars movies or or the new direction in, in, in Superman comic books or uh, what a train wreck that last smash, uh, Smashing Pumpkins tour was or just fucking whatever, if they go out there and they make too much noise going against, uh, basically biting the hand that feeds them, sooner or later, they're going to stop getting fed. And they know this. And the movie studios know this. And so that's why it's extremely important to get those people on board with the agenda as soon as possible. And more or less, that seemed to be what was happening with Tom Shippey, all right? And this is not to cast aspersions on Tom Shippey. This isn't to insult him or anything. I've never met him. I've seen a bunch of his lectures on YouTube and pla- places like that. And he seems like a very nice, very, very friendly, very erudite and scholarly type. He just seems like a good guy. I'd love to knock back a couple beers with a guy and just kind of shoot the bull with him. So triple underline this. I'm not criticizing him, but I'm just saying that when I heard that he was going to get involved with the production of the Amazon show, guys, that's not good news. Okay, that is not good news. The fact is, this is one of the steps that must be taken in the ruination of a franchise. You've got to neutralize the opposition. And you can't neutralize everybody, but you can at least neutralize the people who are going to be the loudest, the people who are going to offer you the, the most headaches, the most resistance, the most all that stuff. You've got to get them, But I, I say on your side, again, they don't have to be on your side. You just have to neutralize them. If they've got something negative to say, they're going to keep the fucking mouth shut. And so when I heard that Tom Shapi was going to be joining, joining up with the show, I was like, fuck, there it is. There it is. They got to get the professional fans on board. And there's one right there. And so sure enough. And what the, the one ring to, t- to tie this all back to the main point, what the admins at the one ring.net are saying is that he's now off the show, which believe it or not, guys, I actually interpret that as a positive sign. Being brought in, not good. Not good at all. Being in some way or another removed from the show, whether he was terminated, whether he resigned, whether... You know what? Maybe his his contract is just up now. Maybe that's it. Okay? I don't know. But whatever happened, happened. And apparently he is no longer involved with the show because of whatever reason. And I actually regard that as a good thing. Now, you factor in that the entire writing staff has been let go... And the release date has been moved back. The uh, the uh, uh, completion date for shooting the pilot, that's been moved back. And all at once, what you're basically looking at is... It looks like the wheels may be, com- may be coming completely off of this thing. And guys, I'm starting to think, you know what? That may actually be a good thing. You know, because again... Maybe there are things out there that shouldn't be adapted into live action, or for that matter, animation, you know? Maybe there are certain things out there that don't need to be animated, that don't need to be uh, turned into a movie, or, or a show, or, or, or fucking whatever, right? Maybe we need to just leave certain things well enough alone. Because I look at the current state of affairs right now with Star Wars with ghostbusters god knows they took it straight to the fucking chin where it looks like things are going right now with the mcu and etc etc. and now i i'm i can't help but think you know i'm getting a little bit territorial now with the legendarium if we have to sacrifice everything else i don't like that but hey that's life nothing lasts forever but can't we just leave the legendarium alone i mean maybe this is maybe these ideas work better in published form and we don't need to turn this shit into a movie or or an amazon show or what have you and so what i'm kind of hoping for right now based on everything i've heard that has anything to do with the amazon show part of me is actually kind of hoping that this thing sinks like a stone and we... It, it never gets released. It just gets cancelled uh, before... Before any... Let's just say it. Before any damage can be done. Put it that way. That's kind of what I'm hoping for right now, guys. And so... Anyway. So, as to you, Mark Kombach, Opportunity Knocks. This is... Uh, guys, there's a... There's been a little something-something that's... Uh, uh, that, that happened a couple of months ago. And I just have not had a chance to get around to this and talk about this on mic. And basically, um, well, really for lack of a better way to put it, follow through on a promise that I made, uh, to Mark. And what happened was it was, uh, I want to say it's back in December, something like that. Mark and I were, we were trading uh, PMs on, uh, on Facebook and he was, He was basically saying that there was, he had a book in his possession that he wanted to send to me. Just a sec, I want to get a sip off of my orange vanilla Coke here. And hell with it. I'm going to get some vapor too while I'm at it. All right, so me and Mark, right? So we were we were trading messages on Facebook back in like December, something like that. And he said, that, "Hey, look, man, I've got this. I've got this book in my possession. I think you may want to uh, take a look at it, check it out." And so I thought, you know what? Why not? So. Uh, he sent it to me, just dropped it in the mail, sent it to me, and it arrived, I want to say towards the beginning of January, right around there, and so I'm going to do something that I have never done on mic before by opening, uh, I'm basically going to do an unboxing video, which this is an audio format, so it's like right from the start, it's, I don't know, this, maybe I'm missing the entire point of unboxing because, you know, the, the whole point here is that you, the You people are supposed to be able to see what I'm doing, and because there is no video here, you, you really can't. So, I don't know, but all the same, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, uh, cut this thing open with, with my scissors, and we're going to go through all of this together. So, let's see. I'm going to be taking some pictures as I go along. So I can post those on the Trinus Magnus Punches Reality Facebook group for anyone who's interested in watching. I can't even say in real time, but anyone who's watching, interested in watching me, um, open this. Well, you're gonna have some pictures. So let's just see how this how this turns out here. Let's see, got taking some pictures, and I now I'm cutting this thing open. Cutting the uh, package open with my scissors here. This has just got to be just riveting to listen to. Damn thing. Come on. Okay, there we go. All right, let's see. Some more pictures. getting the scissors back out here, let's see, okay, another picture, all right, let's see, This thing has just not been cooperative with me at all. Mark, kudos for you, uh, or kudos to you, I should say, for a uh, masterful job in sealing this thing up, because I got to tell you, man, this is serious. This is really sealed up here, I got to tell you. Ah. Okay, more scissors, I guess. Here we go. Ah, yes, here we go. All right. I don't want to tear the book. Just got to be careful here. All right. All right. Just taking some more pictures. package, more pictures. All right, let's see here. All right, so without further ado, because this has been going on for a couple of minutes now from the looks of things, without further ado, the book in question that Mark told me that he had, and which he sent to me, and which I've spent the past few minutes unboxing, as it were. This book is called Board of the Rings, and it's published by the Harvard Lampoon. Now, one of the conditions precedent of Mark sending sending this book to me was, he said, now, I expect to hear a little something-something about this Reading it on mic. So, here we go. First, up, I'm gonna read a little bit off the uh, the back the uh, the uh, back blurb of this thing says, "The power almighty rests in this lone ring. The power almighty for doing your own thing. If broken or busted, it cannot be remade. If found, send a sword. The postage is prepaid." It's up to uh, Boggy Frito Bugger and his band of misfits, including inept wizard Good gulf Teeth, Halfwit, Spam, uh, uh, Gangri, Twins, Moxie and Pepsi, and Arrow, Arrow Root of Arrow Shirt to carry the Great Ring to Fordor and cast it into Zazu Pits. Can they avoid death by hickey trees and escape the dreaded ball hog? Can the Fellowship overcome the Narcs and Nosdruels hounding their every move and save lower Middle-earth once and for all? Yes, of course. This isn't Hamlet, you know. Anyway, uh, so then uh, under the... uh, This is the uh, uh, recommendations, the quotes, whatever. Basically blurb quotes on the backs of books. It says, praise for Board of the Rings. Quote, what do you mean parodies are exempt from copyright law? Unquote. J.R.R. Tolkien. Narks, Question mark. Boggies? Question marks. This sounds totally fake. Quote, unquote. Uh, Harry Potter. Quote, books haven't changed much, I see. Unquote. A man coming out of a 43-year coma. Quote, guys, we filmed the wrong book. Unquote. Peter Jackson. <laughs> it's actually a really good one. All righty. So let's pop this thing open. Oh, look, it's even got a handy-dandy little map to let you know where where you're going, what you're doing, and I suppose how to get back home. So, hmm. All right, so this is, let's see, there's a boar word. Yeah, I think we can skip that for right now. There's also a foreword. Uh, let's see, prologue concerning boggies. This book is predominantly concerned with making money, And from its pages, a reader may learn much about the character and the literary integrity of the authors. Of boggies, however, he will discover next to nothing. Since anyone in the possession of a mere moiety, M O I E T Y, I'm not really sure how to pronounce that word, a mere moiety of his marbles, will readily concede that such creatures could exist only in the minds of children of the sort whose childhoods are spent in in, uh, wicker baskets and who grow up to be muggers, dog thieves, and insurance salesmen. Nonetheless, judging from the sales of Professor Tolkien's interesting books, this is a rather sizable group, sporting the kind of scorch marks on their pockets that only the spontaneous combustion of heavy wads of crumpled money can produce. For such readers, we have collected here a few bits of racial slander concerning boggies, culled by Professor Tolkien's books on the floor in a neat pile, and going over them countless times in a a series of skips and short hops. For them, we also include a brief description of the soon-to-be-published-if-this-incredible-dog-sells account of Dildo Buggers' earlier adventures, called uh, called by him, Travels with Goddamn in Search of Lower Middle-Earth, but wisely renamed by the publisher, Valley of the Trolls. Boggies are an unattractive but annoying people whose numbers have decreased precipitously since the bottom fell out of the fairy tale market. Slow and sullen, and yet dull, they prefer to lead simple lives of pastoral squalor. They don't like machines more complicated than a carrot, a blackjack, or a luger, and they have always been shy of the big folk, or biggers as they call us. <laughs> as a rule they now avoid us except on rare occasions when a hundred or so will get together to dry gulch a lone farmer or or hunter they are a little people smaller than dwarves who consider them puny sly and inscrutable and often refer to them as quote boggy peril unquote they seldom exceed three feet in height but are fully capable of overpowering creatures half their size when they get the drop on them (laughs) As for the boggies of the sty, with whom we are chiefly concerned, they are unusually drab, dressing in shiny gray suits with narrow lapels, alpine hats, and string ties. They wear no shoes and they walk on a pair of hairy, blunt instruments, which can only be called feet because of the position they occupy at the end of their legs. <laughs> Their faces have a pimply malevolence that suggests a deep-seated fondness for making obscene telephone calls. And when they smile, there's something in the way they wag their foot-long tongues that make Komodo dragons gulp with disbelief. (laughs) They have long, clever fingers of the sort one normally associates with hands that spend a good deal of time around the necks of small, furry animals in another people's pockets. And they are very skillful, at producing intricate and useful things like loaded dice, <laughs> like loaded dice and booby traps, they love to eat and drink, play mumbley peg with dim-witted quadrupeds, and tell off-color jokes—or rather, tell off-color dwarf jokes. They give dull parties and cheap presents, and they enjoy the same general regard and esteem as a dead otter. <laughs> Sounds like a charming bunch, guys. <laughs> so, I guys, look, one of the things that I that I decided upon a kind of long time ago is what I want to do is have at least a few episodes, I honestly don't know how many, but have a few episodes that are dedicated to passages from The Lord of the Rings, meaning the prose novel. And so I figured, you know, that, that that could be a fun little diversion. The idea is not, is obviously, it, it, it's not to read the entire book on mic. I mean, number one, I, I really don't know how legal that would be. Um, but number two, I do know that um, whether it's legal or whether it's not, I still have no interest in doing it because of the fact that It's just not... I would imagine it's not going to be very engaging to listen to, but those sections and those passages where I do have a little something-something to say, I thought, you know what, it may actually be kind of fun to do... uh, uh, Radio Free Isengard, which is already kind of an irregular feature of Trinus Magnus Puncher's reality, as things are, but just as an irregular feature of Radio Free Isengard, just do the odd episode here and there, where I read a little bit from the Lord of the Rings novel. So I've already done one such episode, doubtless more will be coming, but I at least wanted to uh, have a couple of episodes like that where I talk about the passages of the book that I just really dig, or for that matter, I just have something to say about, or, or, or whatever. So... And then I figured, yeah, you, know, you know, after I get finished with that, you know, because eventually every idea eventually runs its course. And so, you know, maybe after that, I can, I can go over the Hobbit or maybe do a little bit with the Silmarillion, because I've definitely got a little something, something to say about the Silmarillion um, and maybe do some other stuff too. This is definitely going to go into the other stuff. I, <laughs> I, I don't know when mark but at some point i'm definitely going to come back to board of the rings and read some passages from it and just get right up and just tell you what i really think and because i can only just imagine like just imagine like what they do with uh because if you if you read the lord of the rings book one of the things you figure out real quick is that they sing a lot of songs in that book and if this is this is clearly this board of the rings this is clearly based at least somewhat on the lord of the rings novel and so i'm guessing there are going to be songs in in this book and i can only imagine what they do with the songs so yeah that that so i guess my point mark this is what i'm trying to say i don't know when but i'm definitely going to be coming back to this in the same way that I'm going to be coming back to the Lord of the Rings novel just to read passages from it and uh, comment on that and all that fun stuff. Definitely going to be doing the same thing with Lord of the Rings as well. So, so uh, let's see, I've talked about uh, Christopher Tolkien, I've talked about the Amazon show, and I've also talked about... Uh, Board of the Rings which was sent to me by Mark Kalmbach. again you know just he's a nice guy Mark thank you very much for, for taking the time to send this in to me I, I I honestly didn't really have super high expectations from you know for this book but just reading that tiny little bit uh, from the uh, prologue I can already tell you this is a keeper so definitely going to be coming back to that I definitely appreciate uh, you Considering me, thinking about me, and basically giving me a free book, man. So, thank you very much. I I very much appreciate that. And I'm going to be completely honest with you, Mark. I never thought I would do an unboxing podcast, just because that seems like it would be a contradiction in terms. But life is full of funny surprises sometimes, and sometimes these things go in directions that we just were not expecting. So, anyway. All the same, thanks a lot, Mark, and I do promise you, at some point or another, I am definitely going to come back to this book and read a little bit more from it on mic, and I'm obviously, you know, off mic, definitely going to be reading this, definitely going to be reading this, this book, just for fun, so, anyway, thank you very much for taking the time to send that to me, man, I really appreciate it, so, and that... I guess, you know what, I guess that probably is it, because I don't think I've got any feedback that is really Middle-earth related. And if I'm going to read feedback on, uh, on an episode of Radio Free Isengard, I really do want it to be Middle-earth oriented in some way or another. And I'm, I'm looking through my Gmail here, and I'm just not seeing anything that has anything to do with, with Tolkien, with Hobbits, with Lord of the Rings... Uh, with Middle Earth, or the Amazon show, or, or too much of anything else, so, but anyways, so, uh, as to next week, I don't really know exactly what I'm going to be talking about just yet, I'm reasonably sure it's not going to be more any, more of anything to do with uh, Lord of the Rings, but uh, I don't know. But uh, either way, that's whatever it is that I'm talking about next week. That's for next week. So I think that's pretty much it for me for this week. So bye, everybody. I will see you next week. feel free to email me. And I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Since we're on the subject of feedback, Trentus Magnus Punches Reality can be found on iTunes just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. Won't you take a moment to rate my show on iTunes? That helps new listeners find the show. And just in case you don't think that I've given you enough shit to click on just yet, you can sponsor my show simply by going to 2 truefreaks.com There you can find the PayPal button donate any amount at all specify that you're sending Magnus some monetary love and you will be an official sponsor of my show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener It's that easy and there's no minimum donation Be a Trennis Magnus show sponsor today I don't have a Patreon Because if you think that I hate Twitter, boy, just wait till you hear what I think of Patreon. So, if you want to throw some bucks my way, the Two True Freaks PayPal link is the way to do it. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental, and void where prohibited by law, some assembly required, batteries not included, many will enter, few will win, the white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only, all models are over the age of 18. Trinus Magnus punches reality as a Magnus... Media Enterprises Limited Production in association with DeMonsacor of Milan, Italy.